A sermon from St. John's Evangelical Lutheran Church of Hancock, Minnesota, for June 27, 2010. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word from God through which the Holy Spirit draws us to our Savior is Luke chapter 9, verses 18 through 24, the gospel for today. And it happened when Jesus was praying alone that the disciples were with him. He asked them, Who do the crowds say I am? They replied, John the Baptist. Others say Elijah, and others that one of the prophets of old has risen. He said to them, But you, who do you say I am? Peter replied, The Christ of God. He warned and commanded them not to tell this to anyone. He said, The Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders, high priests and scribes, be killed, and on the third day be raised. Then he said to all, if anyone is determined to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross each day and follow me. For whoever is determined to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me, he will save it. This is the word of our Lord. Dear friends in Christ, fellow saints, wash clean in the blood of our risen Savior. He was at the end of his teenage years, entering into all the glory of youthful manhood. He had the looks, the build, the youthful hormones surging through his system. Work was going well for him, and now an influential lady had taken a special interest in him, and not just a platonic interest. She was married. And her husband had placed a lot of trust in this young man. But maybe she could open different doors for him. What was he to do? Despite the sexual drive of youth, he refused her advances. He refused not because it was sort of risky, but he refused because it would betray his God. How could he do such a wicked thing and sin against God? But one day she catches him alone, grabs his coat, and says, come to bed with me. He runs out as fast as he can, leaving his coat behind. And what does he get for doing the right thing here? She accuses him of attempted rape, and he's thrown into prison. What a loser. Now, you, of course, know the rest of the story. It's recorded in Genesis 39-41. through after a couple of years in prison, Joseph was placed in command of all of Egypt, second only to Pharaoh himself. But Joseph didn't know that's the way it was going to turn out, did he? He knew that his brothers had betrayed him and sold him as a slave. He knew that when things had started going well in Potiphar's house, that then he was falsely accused. He knew that he was sitting there in prison. Might he not have felt like a loser at least some of the time there? And that's the goal of the world. When you do the right thing for the right reason, when you do it for Jesus as Joseph did, the world wants to make you feel like a loser. And it's so tempting for us to get caught up in trying not to become a loser in this life that we forget why 
we are here. And that's why Jesus says and warns us here, whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will save it. Be a loser, dear friends. Be a loser for Christ, just as Joseph was. Be a loser for Christ by confessing him in your words and by following him in your life. Now, as we think about that first part here, confessing Jesus in our words, we see that at the beginning of the text here, he asks the disciples what the, the people were saying about him. What were the crowds confessing him to be? Who was he in their minds? And they do have some pretty high praise for Jesus, don't they? Some say he's John the Baptist, that great preacher whom Herod had beheaded. Others say he's one of the prophets of old, maybe even Elijah come back to life. High praise. And still today, you will find many people who will give Jesus high praise. For example, in, in this book here that rates the 100 most influential people of history, Jesus comes pretty high on the list. He beats out people like George Washington, Thomas Edison, Caesar Augustus. In fact, the author places him number three on the list, right after Mohammed and Isaac Newton. High praise. And so also at, at Christmas time especially, you hear people praising Jesus as a good man, an excellent teacher, a wonderful example for us to model our lives after asking, what would Jesus do? I praise. And the world's okay with that. The world says, you can have a high opinion of Jesus, that's fine. You have your opinion, others have their opinion. You can rank him on your list wherever you want, that's fine. The world's okay with having high opinions about Jesus, ranking him among the great. Won't label you a loser for that. But that's not who Jesus is, is it? Peter didn't confess that Jesus was among the great, that he was one of the great prophets. No. Who do you say that I am, Jesus asked. And Peter confesses, the Christ of God. Jesus. It's not just a Christ. He is the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. That is who Jesus is. He alone is the Christ of God. He alone is the one sent by the Father to do the work of saving sinners. He alone is the, is, is the one who is God who became man to be the mediator, the one and only mediator between God and mankind. He is the Christ of God. And that's the confession that will draw the world's accusations against you and me. That's the confession that turns the world against us so that it tries to label us as losers. For you see, we confess that Jesus is the only Christ, that he is the one and only Savior, and that means that anyone else who has a different opinion about Jesus is not saved. They are lost, headed for hell. And the world labels that as bigotry, prejudice, backward ignorance, small-mindedness. The world tries to make you and me feel like losers for thinking that only Jesus can save. 
And the world uses our own words, our own confession as ammunition against us. For you see, we not only confess who Jesus is, we also confess what he has done to save us. And that's what Jesus brings out to the disciples here. What he was going to be doing, what he needed to do to save sinners. And he says it here, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law. And he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. The world uses that confession. That confession that you and I make every time we say the Apostles' Creed. The world uses that confession to try to shame us. The world says, how foolish of you to think that someone dying on a cross 2,000 years ago can save you today. Don't you think you better be doing your best to make up for the wrongs you've done? How superstitious of you to think that a dead man came back to life. How many funerals have you been to where that's happened? Don't be so naive. Leave behind your primitive myths. Come into the 21st century. Stop being losers. And it's not only the world outside the church, but also the world that has infected so many church bodies today as well. For you see, there are many prominent Christian leaders in the world that consider us who uh, hold to the Bible as the verbally inspired truths of God and hold that the miracles, including creation and the resurrection of Jesus, are real, true, actual historical events. They consider us who believe such things to be naive, leaning on the crutch of 16th century religious ideas that have been outmoded by the progress of our modern era. We're just losers. But dear friends, don't be ashamed to be a loser for Christ. Don't be ashamed if the world tries to make you feel that way because you know and you believe who Jesus is and what he has done for you. Rather than be ashamed, believe in your heart that Jesus is the Christ of God. Believe that his suffering and death truly did pay for all sins. Believe that he has risen from the dead and therefore you are justified, freely justified, forgiven in Christ. Yes, the world will take such things and try to say that we're losers for believing them. But when we have such faith in our hearts, then we confess with our mouth. We confess just as Peter did. We confess who Jesus is and what he has done for us. We confess. And so, dear friends, confess who Jesus is. Confess what he has done for you without worrying about what the world might say or think. Rather, remember what your Savior has said here. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. Be a loser for Christ. And it's not only what we say with our words. It's also the way we live our lives that make a difference here. 
And that brings us to the second part here as Jesus goes on and talks about the way we live. He says here, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Deny yourself, Jesus says. Now, he's not talking about that faddish kind of self-denial that sometimes makes the news. You know, when someone gives up something for a certain length of time, like, I'm giving up chocolate, or I'm giving up TV for a week, or I'm giving up a whole bunch of stuff to simplify my life. Well, Jesus is not even talking about that kind of self-denial to the extreme of becoming a monk or a, a, a hermit. He's talking about something much greater much more difficult. But you see, Jesus doesn't say, deny yourself this pleasure or deny your body that comfort. He says, deny yourself, period. Deny your very self, that self that you were born with, that self that you inherited from Adam, that self that you know so well that you had cherished once, cherished once as your bosom body. Deny your very self, that old self that you were born with. Deny your old self with all its evil desires. Yes, dear friends, deny your old self, especially its desire to claim some credit for your relationship with Jesus Christ. That old self that wants to imagine that there was some good in us that attracted God to us, and that's why we believe and others don't. Deny that old self that wants to think of some spark, some power within us that can take a step towards God. See your old self for the loser that it is. For our old self, can do nothing that is right in God's sight. Deny yourself. But we don't have the power to do that. We don't have the natural power to deny our old self, do we? For you see, the old self was in control and still would be. But the Holy Spirit drowned your old self in the water of baptism. And the Holy Spirit created a new self in you. A new self that has the power, the power, the Spirit's power to deny your old self. So dear friends, drown your old self. Keep on drowning your old self in daily repentance. That's what it means to deny yourself. Yes, Jesus says, deny yourself and take up your cross daily. Just as Jesus suffered on the cross for you, so also our crosses are what we suffer because we're following Jesus. You don't have to go searching for a cross. When we live our lives openly for Jesus, the crosses will come. But unlike sickness or disease, you can choose to refuse the cross. For example, a mom and dad worried about their son going off to a, a secular school. 
Would he be embarrassed or ridiculed because of his faith? And so they ask him about it at Thanksgiving when he's home, and he says, you don't have anything to worry about. They don't know I'm a Christian. That's the problem, wasn't it? He was hiding his faith, hiding Jesus. Rather than taking up his cross, he was hiding Jesus as we hide something that we're ashamed of. And that's why the world tries to make you and me feel like losers, so that we hide Jesus. Rather, dear friends, take up your cross. Live for Jesus. Live for him boldly and openly, no matter what the world might say, no matter what kind of crosses it might try to heap on you. Live for your Savior, boldly and openly. Live for Jesus. Take up your cross and follow him. Follow him. Now, in order to follow someone, we need to be looking at them, right? If you're going to follow a car in traffic, you need to keep that car in sight. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus. That's what God's word and sacraments do for us. They are the lenses through which the Holy Spirit focuses our hearts and minds on Jesus so that we follow him. Follow Jesus. Follow him as he leads us. And here again, the world will try to, to make us feel like losers for, for following Jesus in our lives. But then, remember what Jesus says here. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. Yes, when we are tempted to take our eyes off of Jesus, when we think we need to pay attention to the here and now to make it through this life, when the earthly draws our attention, we need to hear that warning. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. If this life is our focus, then all is lost. But as we follow Jesus and keep our eyes focused on him, as we deny ourselves, take up our crosses and follow him. Then listen to what he says. Whoever loses his life for me will save it. So what if the world labels us as losers? With Jesus, we have everything. So like Joseph, be a loser for Christ. Keep your hearts and minds focused on him. As you follow him, don't worry about what the world may label you as. Rather, keep on confessing Jesus with your words and following him in your life. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.